May we have your attention, please? In the last two episodes that we've done about uh, road driving risk, we've heard a lot about driving for better business. My guest today is Simon Turner, who is the campaign manager for Driving for Better Business, a program run by Highways England. And he's going to explain what Driving for Better Business is and how it supports the rail industry's efforts to improve the management of occupational road driving risk. Simon's also chairman of the Association of Road Risk Management, or ARM for short, and we'll be looking at how ARM is also contributing to the work in a later podcast. Simon, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, and Thank you very much for having me on the show. Simon, my previous guests in episodes about road driving risk have all mentioned driving for better business, but can you tell us a little bit more about it, please? Yes, of course. Driving for Better Business is a government-backed campaign to raise awareness of the need for employers to manage occupational road risk. So occupational road risk being the risk that one of your employees may have a crash while driving as part of their job. Now, the consequences of that crash may be minor, possibly just some light damage to the vehicle, but there could also be more serious resulting in an injury to the driver, your employee, or indeed other road users, and possibly even a fatality. So employers really need to manage drivers and vehicles correctly in order to minimise the chances of that happening. And what Driving for Better Business does is it helps employers understand and implement what needs to be done. But what we also do is to help businesses understand the benefits that come from doing so. So it's not just about reducing accidents and injuries. Better management brings many other business benefits with it, such as greater business efficiency, the ability to control operational costs, better fleet utilisation, improved culture and staff retention, uh, even a higher level of sustainability. You know, the better management of drivers and vehicles will typically result in significantly less fuel use, for instance, and the emission of much less carbon than a poorly managed fleet. And indeed, that's where we get the name from, because better management of occupational road risk really does lead to a better business overall. Thank you, Simon. You've just outlined some of the potential business benefits for the Driving for Better Business program, but can you also help us understand the size of the risk that we're looking at? One of the reasons we're looking at this in the rail industry is the fact that in the 10 years between 2009 and 2019, half of the workplace facilities were on the road. They were people working in the rail industry but who were actually driving at the time. But it's not just fatalities, it's any level of injury. One of the examples that I often use is I compare it to winning the National Lottery. Now, the odds of winning the National Lottery jackpot are a a quite staggering one in 45 million. And yet every week, millions of people think that it might be them, you know, one in 45 million. Now, if you add up All the vehicles that are used for work across the country, so we'd include trucks, vans, cars, and and grey fleet, where people are using their own cars for work, which is a massive area, there's a total of around 20 million vehicles. And according to government statistics, there are around 40,000 injury collisions every year that involve someone who was driving for work. Now, that means the odds for each single driver of being involved in an injury collision while driving for work are just one in 500. And yet millions and millions of drivers and their employers 
think it will never be them. So if you extrapolate that up, if you had 500 drivers, it would be statistically likely that you'd have to deal with at least one injury collision every year. Those are, yes, interesting statistics. So how does Driving for Better Business help employers to manage that risk? Well, the first thing is to stress that Driving for Better Business doesn't sell anything. We're, we're not consultants. We're not trying to sell services of any kind. And it's also not an audited standard. What we basically focus on is communicating the minimum legal requirements of managing occupational road risk alongside sharing examples of good practice so that you can see how other companies do this well. And we then have a range of online tools and resources that help you assess and improve your current management practices within the business. That sounds interesting. Can you give us an example of how your tools work? Yes. The core of what we call the Driving for Better Business framework is something that I've christened the circle of continuous improvement. And it's obviously important to remember here that managing road risk well is, is an ongoing process. It's a constant journey. It's not You can't just sort of complete a few steps and you're done. So the first part of this journey is benchmarking. It's about measuring where you are now. So things like collision rates, damage repair costs, that kind of thing, looking at those and seeing whether there's room for improvement. Now, if there is room for improvement, which there usually is, usually significant room, we then move on to the second part, which is a, a gap analysis. We've got a detailed online questionnaire that allows you to identify what you might not be doing that could help improve your current baseline position. And then we've got a third and final part, which is a bank of free resources that we've curated to help you fill those gaps. Some are driving for better business resources, many are third party resources from trusted sources uh, that just sort of give you a huge range of resources to use. And once you've given those changes time to bed in, you go then back to benchmarking to check the improvements and kind of repeating those three steps then forms this process of continuous improvement. Thank you, Simon. It sounds like you've thought it through very well. Can I take you back to step two, if I can, and talk about the gap analysis? Could you tell us more about that particular tool and how our listeners could use that to identify where they may have gaps? Sure. So we, we've recently just added a new entry level to our gap analysis tool, which consists of 10 pretty simple questions covering the main areas of responsibility that businesses have where they've got staff who drive as part of their job. Now, if you identify any areas of potential weakness among those 10 questions, we've then got a full detailed gap analysis tool, which helps you drill down into each of those areas to find out exactly where improvements can be made. Now, that tool is split into sections. We've got four mandatory sections, which cover management of policies, drivers, vehicles and journeys. So it covers that you know things like policy ownership, what driver checks you would do at induction and an ongoing process, vehicle roadworthiness, uh, management of servicing, that kind of thing, fatigue management, mobile phone policy, etc. Now the questions in each section are split into two groups. So we've got questions that highlight the absolute minimum legal level of management that is required. So that helps you find out whether or not you're doing, you know, activities that you would absolutely be expected to do under all circumstances. 
But then we've got a second set of questions within each section, which highlights industry accepted good practice. And it's often these which deliver the really strong business benefits. And I'm trying to think of a good example of that would be installing telematics in vans, which you would typically do to monitor driver behavior, amongst other things. Now, that's not a legal requirement, but it is accepted good practice if you want to manage drivers effectively and reduce poor driving, damage and and fuel costs. Thank you, Simon. That's a good description of the tool. But not every business is the same. How does it deal with individual differences? It's a good question. Now, what we've we've intentionally tried to design something, because this is actually the second version of this risk assessment. And the first one did, there was a slight issue with that where it did try to be all things to all businesses. And what how we've tried to get around that is those four mandatory sections that I've just described cover the risks that are pretty much present in all businesses that have staff who drive for work. And what we've then added is four optional sections that cover the risks that aren't present in every business. So this might be towing, for instance, if you've got vans that tow plant, specialist vehicles, including those that might have exemptions to normal legislation. You might have people using motorcycles or quad bikes. And the last section, which we put in really for the rail industry, because it's particularly important for for some businesses in the rail industry, is that we've put in a section on procured transport. And that's because as an employer, you still have a responsibility to ensure staff safety, even when someone else is providing the transport. So this section is about ensuring outsourced transport solutions like taxis, um, minibuses, replacement bus services, that kind of thing, that they are all managed to the same legally required standards. Thank you very much for creating a rail-related section. Where You've obviously had some experience of using the tool and seeing other people use it. Where do you think most of the gaps occur? Well, plenty of firms have gaps around policy. That's typically what we see when we're talking to businesses who who are looking for help and, and, and trying to identify what they can do to improve things. And generally, we find larger firms, will, you know, they will have a comprehensive driving for work policy. They'll have all the systems and the procedures in place. But what they often find is it's it becomes really difficult to communicate that policy down through various levels of management to drivers. Whereas the problem is slightly different often in smaller firms who who might be further down a supply chain, for instance. With a smaller firm, it's theoretically easier to communicate the policy because you're closer to the people on the road. But actually, the people managing them don't have the knowledge or the support to create a policy that's good enough, You know, even if there is a policy in the first place, which there quite often isn't. And the result of either of those is, is generally problems in a whole range of areas from vehicle checks and general roadworthiness to driver's hours and fatigue management, many others as well. I mean, throwing confusion over mobile phone policy and vehicle category eligibility. And you know, potentially that's a, a recipe for disaster because the drivers simply don't know what they're supposed to be doing and they don't have the guidance to operate within the standards that the company's expecting. And that's actually yeah quite surprising, but also understandable. So for our business leaders, what might be the consequences if they haven't got this right? 
Well, in the worst case scenarios, we're back to the figures that I used at the start around injuries and fatalities. One contractor who was actually in the rail industry was recently prosecuted and found guilty after a double fatality. They were basically found guilty of failing to follow their own fatigue management policy and and also not checking driver eligibility on vehicles. So the driver that actually was responsible for the incident shouldn't have even been in that particular vehicle. Now, they were fined £450,000 with £300,000 worth of costs added. And the key factor out of that for me was that that particular incident was prosecuted by the Office of Rail and Road. And it took seven years from the incident happening until it was brought to court and the company was successfully prosecuted. So, you know, imagine if you're responsible for managing road risk in your business, the thought of being under that kind of pressure from an investigation for seven years is, you know, quite, I would imagine is almost unbearable. Now, at the lower end, something vehicle operators might not know is that there's been quite an increase recently in the number of roadside stops by the enforcement authorities for a whole range of offences. So, you know, we looking at the DVSA and the police, uh, that kind of thing. Now, unroadworthy vehicles are particularly common in those sorts of stops, and they can be impounded, as can vehicles towing plant when the driver's found not to be correctly licensed, mainly due to age. We've seen a number of instances where, for instance, uh, uh, someone in a, in a contractor's van towing a, a mini digger on a trailer behind hasn't had the relevant license to do that because the licensing regulations changed for anyone who passed their test after 1997. And we even had one instance where the driver was prevented from going any further. His employer was instructed to send another driver to pick up the van and the trailer. And they sent another driver who was still only 18 years of age. So they plainly had no idea about the licensing requirements for drivers who were towing. So, you know, there's other things as well, you know, bold tyres, lights not working, all sorts of things that are really common. And the average fine for these stops is around £1,000. So it can be a really costly experience for a, a fleet operator in terms of fines and, and business disruption. But another initiative is something called Operation Tramline, which is run by Highways England. And they have a, a number of unmarked HGV cabs which are used by the police to patrol the motorways and the major trunk roads filming poor driver behavior as they as they see it a common misconception with this is that because they're hgv cabs they're only targeting other hgvs but actually that's not true and the hgvs only account for about 40 percent of the offenders they spot the other 60 percent is split roughly between half half on cars and half on vans. And one of the most common offences being mobile phone offences by van drivers. So the, the gap analysis that we've produced, this online tool, it helps driver managers and vehicle operators that ensure that they've got the right policies in place to guard against this and prevent this happening. Thank you, Simon. The gap analysis tool sounds like it's going to be very useful. Can you tell our listeners where they need to go to get hold of it? Yeah, if you go to our website, which is drivingforbetterbusiness.com, and then click Getting Started in the top menu, that will take you to the gap analysis. 
if you complete the gap analysis online, you'll also get a report at the end. And this actually has a really useful feature on it because it includes a link after each question, which pre-filters our resources section. So it enables you to quickly find the help you need to fill any gaps that you might have identified in the gap analysis. I'd also add that we've created a special offline version for the for use within the rail industry and in the work that we're doing with the RSSB. And the format for this is an Excel spreadsheet version of the gap analysis. So all the questions are the same and it's still got all the guidance in it. But it includes the ability to enter comments and actions and planned completion dates so that you can then track exactly what needs to be done, ensure it's happening on schedule, and you can discuss it with, with colleagues in, in other areas of the business if you need to do so. And if you want a copy of that, you can either get that through RSSB or through Driving for Better Business as well. Simon, thank you very much for telling us all about Driving for Better Business and the Gap Analysis Tool. I hope it'll encourage some of our industry members to get involved and use the analysis. For those of you who are interested and have more questions, please email me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. Thank you for listening. But in the meantime, drive safely. Mm-hmm.